Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. It is time for another episode of the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast here on the Jack Wagon Network. Uh, we are man down this week. Uh, Slade thought it'd be better to go to Turks and Caicos than hang out with us, but I mean, fuck them, whatever. Um, hope he's enjoying his time, but he will be back Saturday. Uh, well, he'll still be in Turks and Caicos, but he will join us Saturday for our college football pregame show, and we hope you guys are there as well. It'll be 8 a.m. on our YouTube uh, Jack Wagon Sports on YouTube, so please go check it out. Uh, come join us there. We would really love to have you. Uh, 8 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, we are super excited to bring that. We dropped our intro trailer uh, on TikTok last night. At the end of this episode, we will show it to you people here that follow us on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, um, or Google Podcasts, whatever you may be on, uh, we encourage you to head over to our YouTube and check that out. Uh, give us a subscribe. Give us a like. We really, really appreciate that. Uh, and like I said, we'll see you there 8 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, without further ado, we have a ton of stuff to get into. Um, first up, we had a drama-filled weekend in auto motorsports. I yeah, brain fart there. Uh, motorsports. We had we had a on wheels weekend. Yeah, um, things that go around really fast. Um, <laughs> we had the NASCAR regular season finale at Daytona, which. We'll, we'll get to here in a second. I thought it was an utter shit show. Uh, we had F1 return from their summer break at Belgium, uh, which was a super boring race. Um, but let's stop talking about it. Let's get into it. Uh, moving into the Daytona drama. Um, so this is, like we said, the final race of the regular season for NASCAR this year. Uh, I really don't like that they moved this to Daytona in the first place. Um, I don't enjoy being there. I feel like as a whole, I mean, it's it's been an epidemic happening for years at restricted plate racing for nascar is it just wreck everybody and try to survive to the finish uh i, I just really don't enjoy where nascar has gone with their restrictor plate racing um and so what happened we get the race is supposed to happen saturday night it pours all day saturday race gets postponed till sunday not a problem uh, 10 a.m start time which i thought was a little weird but they said they had more storms coming in on sunday so they wanted to get ahead of that that's fine um we get almost entirely through the race. There was like a little spritz of a rain. I think it was about like 20 laps in or so. Um, but other than that, it was fine. And then I think it was about 20 laps to go. All hell broke loose. It starts pouring in one and two. The whole field heads into one and two. And all but I think five, I think it was five cars made it through without damage. From that wreck, I think it was four cars total had no damage on them at all. Um, just utter chaos and calamity. Um Austin Dillon, who was leading at the rain break, uh, lost the lead. Austin Sindrick was leading for most of the, the final stage there. Um, Austin Dillon dumps him out of the way going into turn one. I think it was two laps left for the win. Um, so he, he ends up getting into the playoffs. We now have the field set. Uh, we'll show that to you here real quick. Um, so these will be the 16 playoff drivers this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so we have Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, uh, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, William Byron. And then we have Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick, Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell. I can't see it. Kyle Busch, excuse me. Um, Chase Briscoe, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sindrick. Um, I, I had to go Alex to the full Bowman. screen so I could I see it because I'm sitting there like, who the hell am I looking at? Here? Alex Bowman and Austin Dillon as the last guy in. Uh, the big controversy here is... Uh, Martin Truex Jr., who was, I believe, sixth in points, if not even higher than that, he might have been fourth. Um, 
misses the playoffs entirely because he does not get a win. Uh, he was trying to hang on. He had Blaney beat by like six points, and Blaney's car was all beat the hell, but so is Truex's, and he couldn't keep up with the draft. And so he's losing spots left and right. And Blaney was a ton of spots behind him and multiple laps down. But once the big wreck happened, all those cars go out. So as he makes up those laps and passes all those cars, theoretically, uh, he ends up gaining enough positions, gets into the playoffs by two points. Uh, so just real quick, Nick, did you, you get to see the race at all? Uh, and your thoughts on that real quick. Um, yeah, um, I didn't get to watch the race as usual when I don't get to watch things. I was following along to you and Slade talking about it. Um, I did watch a little bit uh, or a couple replays. Um, I, as far as the race itself, I understand that putting that as the last race of the regular season gives pretty much anybody in the field an opportunity if there's not already 16 winners to um, you know, gain that final spot or get in, um, just like we've seen this past weekend. However, I'm kind of on the same side as you. Um, I don't know. When I think of a, a season finale or a regular season finale, um, I, I want something with a little more competitiveness, I guess. Um, kind of like you said, it's a, you know, wreck everybody and hope you make it to the end. And some people pull it off, some people don't. Um, you know, while it creates, like I said, that uh, that surprise factor of, you know, can somebody who, even somebody who hasn't had a good season, you know, can they squeak one in and make the playoffs? But at the end of the day, like football, for example, uh, you look at week 17 and it's usually interdivisional, you know, games that mean something um, and are going to be competitive for the most part. And I, I just, that's, that's the kind of racing I want to see, that competitive, you know, I'm all for a little bit of dirt here and there. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I don't want to see cars just wrecking each other to just get people out of the way. So uh, I'm all for a different race as the last race of the season, uh, maybe even move that up one week, you know, and put something else as that last race, but I'm not a big fan of finishing the season off that way. I mean, I will always argue that the summer Daytona race belongs on 4th of July weekend. It was like that almost since the inception of NASCAR itself. Yeah. Um, and when they went away from that a, a few years ago, then they started doing the Indy on 4th of July. And then I believe from there, uh, we started going to Road America. And Road America is a great race to have on 4th of July. I, I mean, the fans show out there, and they have a great time with it. Um, I Like I said, for the rest of time, I'll argue that Daytona summer race belongs on 4th of July. Um, I think like it if just we're gonna screams America, first of all. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if, if we're going to, you know, continue with this playoff structure, it, it definitely needs to be a more strategic track, I guess I should say. Like I I don't want to race where everybody's out there, you know, and half the field's gone in one turn just because you know somebody threw a dumb block or something like that. Um like I, I would like to see it go to like a Bristol or bring Chicago land back, go back there. I know that's not going to happen, but tracks like that where, yeah, you know, you might not get like a surprise winner or something like that unless some crazy stuff happens. But um, I feel like if we're going to continue these playoffs, it shouldn't be surprise winners just squeaking their way in. Like Austin Dillon, with all due respect, and, and you know, I've, I've made my thoughts about him in the past well known. I don't like him. But at the end of the day, he, you know, he got the job done. You, you can't knock him for that. But at the same time, 
you know, we, we shouldn't just have the best 16 drivers need to get into these playoffs. If this is how we're going to do it. And in my mind, the, the best 16 drivers did not get in. Uh, Martin Trex Jr. 100% deserves a chance. Um, but, you know, he doesn't get that now because, he, you know, yeah, he didn't win a race, but he was one of the most consistent. Like I said, he was top six in points. Um, Ryan Blaney was got knocked out. Ryan Blaney was second in points coming into Daytona. Even leaving Daytona, he was still second in points. But if Martin Truex Jr. would have finished three spots higher, all of a sudden we're sitting here talking about Ryan Blaney. And I, I feel like there would be a lot more outcry if that had happened, where, you know, Ryan Blaney, you know, is second in points, gets knocked out of the playoffs, doesn't have a chance to go win a championship. Um, you know, I, I feel like there'd be a lot more outcry, but everybody kind of got what they wanted. Ryan Blaney's in. Yeah, it sucks. Martin Truex Jr. is not in there, but hey, you know, we're, we're going to go through the playoffs. Um, kind of moving on to the next topic. I know you, you were in NASCAR for a little bit. You kind of got away from it, and now we're, both of us are getting back into it more and more. But um, your thoughts on should NASCAR keep the playoff system? Um, would they be wise to move away from it? And, and what would you implement if, if they did? Yeah, so um, broad spectrum, yeah, I think that they should stick to some sort of playoff format, um, even keep the 16 drivers. That part doesn't bother me. Um, the same thing you were saying, I want to see the 16 best drivers in there. Um, you know, because you look at Ryan Blaney, for example, and you said he was sitting second in points, hadn't won a race all season, sitting second in points. He is a driver that deserves to be in the playoffs. Dylan was, I couldn't tell you where in points, wins a race, ends up making it into the playoffs. Like, I agree with the playoffs and, like I said, six team, or even if you want to change that around, add a couple more, whatever. Um, put the best drivers on the track and let them race for that championship. I'm here for that all day. Um, but to sit there and base it strictly off of wins, uh, well, not strictly off of wins, but for the most part off of wins, um, to me just seems, I don't want to use the word unfair, um, because you got to race good, whether you do wins or strictly points, you got to race good to make it. Um, but I can't really think of a better alternative than unfair because like you said, Truex Jr. <laughs> I think definitely deserved to be in that 16, um, man field. As far as what I would do to change it, to be honest with you, I, I, in my opinion, I think that there should be a good balance of old school and new school. I think they should go back to just doing points, not really worry about the wins as far as who makes it in the playoffs, but still keep that playoff format. Okay, these 16 drivers consistently, you know, were the better finishers in the field. That's why they're leading in points. That's why they deserve to be in the playoffs. That's why they're in the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously, you tool around with it a little bit. Um, but I, as far as I'm concerned, that's how I think the general structure should be of the regular season in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I agree. I I don't like the, the thought of the playoffs being win and you're in. Because like I said, yeah. I feel like that, if, if anything, is more so enticing going to places like Daytona or Talladega or even Atlanta now and just taking everybody out. And, you know, we, we've heard a lot of these drivers complain now that on one hand, yeah, these new cars are safer in some aspects, but – like and we saw it with if you watch Daniel Suarez's in-car camera, um, or just even the replay from when he got in the wreck there when the rain hit, that it's a violent wreck and, and these guys are starting to get hurt. You know, they're, they're it, it hurts a lot more than you know the, the cars before. The cars just don't absorb as much shock as what they used to. 
like, yeah, they're, they're safe. You know, I, I don't foresee anybody, you know, for some reason going flying out of the car or anything like that. Um, like I said, the, just the overall shock of, of the wrecks is definitely taking a higher toll on these guys. Um, but it, I think to, to get away from enticing that kind of, of racing where you just dump everybody. Now, granted, like I said, that, that wreck with Daniel Suarez is, wasn't anybody's fault outside of, you know, yeah, NASCAR probably could have thrown a caution a little bit earlier. You could you could argue that. They said their spotters didn't know it was raining in turn one until the cars hit turn one. That That's another debate that we could get into. But, um, like I said. Uh, just imagine going 200 miles an hour and you realize the turn you're about to make is completely fucking soaked. Yeah. Well, it's like, God. I mean, it, you you watch, and I got I got annoyed because I was watching the race, and they go into turn one, and, like, you're watching it live, and all of a sudden they just start wrecking. You're like, oh, like, somebody, you know, hit somebody in the quarter panel and just everybody spun out. They show the replay, and, like, the top the top two lanes just turn right and go into the wall. <laughs> and Daniel Suarez is on the bottom. Nobody's around him. Like, he has a good car length on the car behind him, and, like, the, the two outside lanes are, like, another car length high of him. Nobody's around him. His car just snaps left. And all of a sudden, the announcers on TV are like, oh, oh, I wonder if there's some oil down or, you know, maybe it was raining. And they, like, the, I remember the exact replay they put on before that. I think it was Justin Haley. He's going into turn one and all of a sudden his camera, it just, you can't see anything because of the rain. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck do you mean it might be raining? No shit. Yeah. I was like, like, no, it's raining. Yeah. It's raining. But I mean, like, I, I think NASCAR could have caught that a little bit sooner. There's fans, there's fan videos out there saying, you know, as they're hitting the triable, they're seeing rain in the stands, all this other stuff. Uh, you know, I, I understand a lot of drivers are very upset about it. They have every right to be. Um, I definitely think catching rain like that ahead of time is, is something NASCAR can work on. And, and we'll see if anything happens, especially after this. But we'll have to wait and see with that. But just outside of the rain itself, like I said, I, I feel like this win in your in mentality just encourages dirty driving in a sense, especially at super speedways where you, you just wreck everybody you can try and get to the front. As far as what I would do to replace it, I would honestly like if, if they're going to have this, you know, 16 man playoff bracket, essentially go back to the chase style. Like, hey, it's, it's not just winning you're in anymore. Like you need to be consistent throughout the season. There, there's no reason uh, the guy sixth place in points, you know, can't race for a championship because somebody lucked their way in, you know, in a win. Um, I would like to see. Let's go back to the chase standings. OK, at this cutoff race, you know, Daytona. If you're not in the top 16 in points, you know, no wins or anything, I don't, I don't care. If you're not in the top 16, you're no longer in championship contention. And then, okay, let's reset the points. And then after three races, okay, the top 12 in points get to move on. Like, I, it, it's fine. I understand NASCAR needs to do something different outside of all these other motorsports to increase entertainment value and get more eyes on it. Like, what they do, nobody else does in, in, in motorsports. And, you know, it's, it's a conversation topic, but it also gets eyes put onto the sport. And I understand it from that standpoint. Yeah, I would love to see them go to a conventional, hey, whoever has the most points at the end of the season, you're the champion no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in my ideal world, okay, you finish first place, you get 40 points. You finish second, or, you know, you could break up the points, however, but yeah. you, last place gets one point. The winner gets, like, maybe, let's say, 50 or whatever. There's 40 cars in the field. They get 10 bonus points for winning. Uh, you lead the most laps, you get another five bonus points. Um, you lead a lap, you get one bonus point. NASCAR used to do five bonus points. I would like you just get one bonus point for leading that lap. You go through all 36 races. Okay, you have the most points. You're the new champion. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, but if we're going to continue this, this playoff, just 
it, it's fine. And I, like I said, I understand why they do it and I don't have a problem, I guess, in the grand scheme of things of why they do that. Um, but let's just get rid of the win and you're in thing. And I, I think that's the biggest problem. And like, oh, you won a race. Okay. You're automatically lost into the next round. Again, I, I just feel like it entices the wrong kind of racing. I understand fans come to see wrecks and, and all this stuff happen, but at the same time, you got to think of driver safety. Um, and I, I feel like that escapes a lot of people's minds when they look at NASCAR. Like, oh yeah, like yeah, these cars are more durable than an F1 car, an Indy car. Like they can beat and bang, and you know they they can run each other into the wall, and they're you know keep driving. It's fine. I understand that, but at the same time, you can't be going 200 miles an hour around a track and left hook somebody in the right rear and yeah. send them into the wall just to win the race, just so you can get into the the a chance to race for a championship that you know in your goddamn heart and soul you won't deserve. Yeah, because um, you're sitting 29th in points, but hey, you're in the top 30. You win a race and you get to go to the playoffs. Like, I, yeah, and safer than like Formula One or IndyCar, or whatever. Like, yeah, they definitely are. But I have not. I mean, granted, I'm only 24 years old. I still hopefully a lot of time left on this earth to learn things. Um, but I have not yet to this day seen a car that can take a wall at 200 miles an hour very efficiently. Um, so the more we can cut down on that, the better. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I mean, like. And, and even before NASCAR started the playoffs, like, yeah, restrictor plate racing was getting more and more dangerous. But I feel like once we added that playoff element and the stage stages need to go to it, just I, I'm not a forcing fan of stages. Yeah. Stop forcing cautions because, again, they gave out points for these stages and one point can make or break your season. It's like we just learned here. Yeah. You know, Ryan Blake or and March I'm Jr. here. I'm here for. I do. I'm not in love with the idea, but I do enjoy the idea of taking, say, two stops a race to kind of reconvene the field um, because it does create more entertaining racing. But I, I don't think there should be, oh, this guy won, so he gets this many points. Like, as far as that's concerned with the stages, I'm I'm not here for it at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think that's just another element that adds to you go to these super speedway races. You got guys who they might not get another chance to win a race, but they, they, they can compete at super speedway races, whether it's because of the draft or because they wreck people. And Hey, if you know, we see it at the Daytona 500, especially, you know, I think back to that. Um, I know Brad Keselowski is guilty of this, but multiple drivers are coming to the end of a stage, like 30 laps into the Daytona 500. It's like, okay, you know, back, whereas back in the day, um, you know, you have a 500 mile race. Hey, let's conserve our stuff for the first hundred laps. And then after that, it's go time. Let's, let's work through the field, yeah. get up there and win. Whereas now it's like, hey, we're coming up on lap 30. That's the end of stage one. Wreck whoever you need to to get to the front. And we've yeah. seen that a lot. And again, I, I just think it's something that if NASCAR is going to keep the playoffs, get rid of the win in your end system and get rid of the stages. And like I said, after that, I don't think I would have a problem with the playoffs. Um, but I don't I don't see that happening, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving back to the playoffs themselves happening this year, um, real quick, if Nick, we can get your first four out, your prediction for the first four drivers uh, to miss the the second round of, of twelve. Yeah, uh, so I don't we have. Sorry, just real quick. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so we start this Saturday night at Darlington. All right, actually, I think it might be Sunday night. I'm getting myself confused now. Then we go to Kansas and Bristol. That is the first round. Uh, but yeah, Nick, your, your picks for the first four out. Yeah. So. Um... <clears throat> I didn't write down uh, all the details here, but I had actually taken a pretty taken taken a pretty extensive look at the list um, and where drivers finished top ten and top five, and 
their wins and whatnot. And I think I found a good formula. I could completely miss on all four of these, but nonetheless, we're going to give it a shot. So I have Chase Briscoe, William Byron, Austin Dillon, and Austin Sindrick are my first four out. I tell you, that's actually a really strong first four. Um, I 100% agree with Austin Dillon. Again, he has not looked good all season. Lux his way in on a super speedway win. Um, so, yeah, I definitely see him going out in round of 16. I also agree with Chase Briscoe. Um, now, Stuart Haas as a whole has started to come on here a little bit. Uh, you know, more so, obviously, Kevin Harvick. The rest of his teammates have struggled. But still, it seems like Chase Briscoe has, you know, started to find a little bit of a rhythm here after he won the, the race at Phoenix, came, you know, very close to winning that Bristol dirt race. And since then, it's almost like he's fallen off the face of the earth um, and really struggled. But I still see him. I, I think he's going to be the last man cut, if that makes sense. I, I think he's going to, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to a point or two. Um, my next driver cut, I am also going with Austin Sindrick. Again, he started to look better here as of late. I just don't think it's enough right now. Uh, and my next man out, I am going to go with, and I think this might be controversial, but I'm going to go with Kyle Ooh. Bush. Um, I, again, he has started the, to, he had such a great, first three quarters of the regular season. And then after that, uh, I feel like it was really downhill from there. Um, He, his mentality right now is is not one of somebody that I feel like is going to get cut, but I I just think there's too much going on outside. Um, And I I think it's going to start to catch up to him here sooner or later. Um, So that's why I, I have him as my fourth man out. Uh, If I had to pick somebody else, I would honestly go with his teammate, Christopher Bell. Uh, somebody who's had the opposite effect to Kyle Busch this year, but outside of his New Hampshire run, hasn't really impressed me that much. I'm saying that he's going to go to the Darlington and win now. Um, but those would be my first four out. Um, but I am – this is the, the, the part of the NASCAR season that I really enjoy watching because, you know, as, as a Harvick fan, it's I think back to 2020, what stings me is, you know, Harvick won nine races, and, you know, all of a sudden he gets to the round of eight and misses – the championship four after being the regular season champion, you know, gets the cha- or misses the championship four by, I think it was like three points. He spun Kyle Bush out coming to the, the start finish line. Um, so, but <clears throat> moving on, uh, we had an exciting weekend um, at the tour championship down in Atlanta. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was a great tournament overall. Um, Rory McIlroy ends up winning. Uh, and we said this going into the weekend too, that, you know, I think it was Slade. I want to give him the credit here. Yeah, um, I believe Slade. I don't think know, it was, I know it wasn't me. Yeah. After the, the, the season that the PGA has gone through with, you know, a bunch of guys leaving leaving for live and Rory basically being the, the spokesperson um, and, and saying, you know, throwing shots at live back, you know, that he needed to go in here and win. Uh, comes back from a sh- six-shot deficit on Sunday uh, to overtake Scotty Scheffler and win. Um I think that the craziest part is I remember watching him start on Thursday. He triple bogeyed the first, and I think he bogeyed the second. And he went into the weekend, and I'm trying to remember, I think he was four shots back to start his round, and then he was ten shots back after three holes. (laughs) Um, And then all of a sudden he turns around and wins. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on the tour championship real quick. Yeah, um, so first up, uh, when I first – because, again, um, I was busy Sunday, so I didn't get to watch anything on Sunday, which disappointed me because I really wanted to watch uh, the final day of the Tour Championship. But 
I was following along uh, very extensively. Well, you were you were. What, I think you were, you went to Hershey Park. Yeah, and I remember. I think Slade was working, but I'm texting both you. Like, I'm going back and forth between the NASCAR race and the Tour Championship because NASCAR we were getting live play by play of yeah. both of them. NASCAR was supposed to be over by the time the tour started. I was like, this is perfect. Well, then the rainstorm happened. It got delayed for like four hours. But oh my, yeah. So I was going yeah. back and forth there. But yeah. Um. So, uh, when I first seen that Rory won, my first thought was, wow, heartbreak for Scheffler. Um. And then as I got to think about it more, I've pretty much completely gone away from that feeling. Um. I I don't feel bad for Scheffler at all. Like yeah. Uh, he had those four wins early in the season, but uh, this might sound a little ridiculous, but cut cut the season right after that fourth win and look at the rest of the season. And he had some good moments, but he did not, outside of those four wins, he did not do anything to separate himself from the rest <laughs> of the PGA. Um, and when I, so I was like, okay, well, who would I think would deserve it if I start from those four wins? And go on, go beyond. And uh, honestly, the answer that I came up with was Rory. Um, he had a great summer. Um, came close to. I, I know his big goal was winning another major this year, uh, and he didn't happen to get that. But pretty much all summer, uh, Rory was at the top of the leaderboard when he was competing, minus maybe one or two tournaments that I can think of. Um, he was probably the most consistent player at least um, at the top of the tour anyway, you know, during the summer and, and into the, the championship, into the playoffs. And uh, you watch every single tournament that Rory plays in. It doesn't matter if he's in Canada, if he's in Scotland, if he's in America, you could probably put him in Russia. And there is still going to be a group of some of the most obnoxious people you've heard in your life just absolutely yelling every time he hits the ball. Um and like I said, I, I think that he was the most deserving after the season that he's had. Um, I, I've been cheering Rory on uh, all season long. He's not my favorite golfer, but I can tell you he's number two. Um, and it, it was great to see him win, especially knowing that, you know, he wanted a major this year so bad and he didn't get it. Um, I, I'm sure if you ask him, somebody might have asked him already. He is perfectly fine with the outcome uh, at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Kind of back to your point about about Scheffler's year, I the only person I can ever think of that has had a dominant year, like Scheffler did up until uh, I would say after the Masters, and then you know he kind of tailed off, but was able to like can continue that for the whole year and finish Speak. it out in, in the playoffs. No, I was gonna say Woods. Oh well, like, uh, I, sorry, uh, Woods was too obvious of an answer. I didn't yeah, think that was where but, you were going with it. Well, like think, thinking back, like yeah, you know. I feel like Scheffler thrived so well because going into the Masters, especially, he didn't have all eyes on him. Like, yeah, everybody knew he's like, oh, he kind of burst onto the scene last year. He ended up making the Ryder Cup team. A lot of people felt like he didn't deserve that, but you know, he turned around and showed everybody, hey, I, you know, I, I deserve to be here. Um, does really well, and then starts this year off really hot. I feel like once all the eyes got put on him and all the pressure started to mount, it started to get to him. But again. He didn't play terrible at, no. this year. And, and he's definitely played somebody deserving of the world number one ranking. Yeah, he probably could have played a little bit better in some tournaments. Like, I think back to the Open, I, I think he ended up finishing fourth there. Um, 
you know, just didn't finish great. And that that's fine. And here, but, you know, thinking of the tour championship, he came in with a two shot lead on Thursday. You know, he ends up, he, there was a couple times uh, Xander Schauffele caught him was like one. Sh- I think he actually tied him at one point. Yeah. Um, I, I believe he was eight strokes up on Schauffele and then Schauffele caught him and he went back up like two strokes or something like that. Yeah. So he, he kind of played this cat and mouse game all weekend. Uh, and, you know, he heads into the final round on Sunday, six strokes up on McElroy. Um, and the, the crazy part is, is nobody, and, and it wasn't just because of, you know, oh, like, hey, you know, nobody's out of this yet. It was like, uh, like hey, six shots is the hardest lead to protect in golf. Like, I mean, I think back, um, you know, all the times that, you know, we've gone out to play. And we're just, you know, friends going out and, and playing. And, you know, there's been a few times i played with Slade where Slade – I, I can't play golf on the front nine to save my life. And, you know, Slade goes out and he builds up like a 10-shot lead on me, and all of a sudden the back nine, I start catching him. Like, and again, this is just a friendly game, and, and I don't think it has, like, there's not millions of dollars on the line, so there's yeah. not pressure. It's just protecting a lead, especially a big one in golf, and we've seen it multiple times this year. I think back to Daniel Berger at the Arnold Palmer. He, I think he went into the round six shots, if not more, up, and then ends up losing um, – I just think big leads in golf are really hard to protect because you're just trying to play conservative. Hey, let's just get the ball in the fairway and all this. Stuff. Scheffler didn't really do anything wrong until he got to the final few holes and he realized, shit, like I need to make something happen. And I think he was just trying too hard to force something big to happen. Like he's like, all right, let's chip this in. Like I think the 18, he was in the bunker, had a perfect lie and everything. He just needed to get it on the green and get it close to the hole. And, you know, because, uh, McElroy was off to the side. I think he hit the stands. I think this is 18 I'm thinking of. Um, he hit the stands, and, you know, he like, needed to take relief and then had the chip up onto the green still. Like, he had a whole shot. He just needed to get it on the green. He just bleed the shit out of it, shot over the back of the green. Um, and so I, I, I feel like with a big lead in golf, you're sitting there going, hey, let's just play our game. And, and all of a sudden, like, McElroy's just hitting these big shots, and you all of a sudden you look up and you're sixth lead. Your six-shot lead is down to two, and you're like, oh, shit. But, hey, you know, let's just not try and force anything here. And I, I feel like all weekend we saw that. He's like, hey, just keep playing my game, and, you know, he would do fine. But I, I think he kind of looked up, saw the leaderboard, and realized, I don't have another round to, to play here. You know, this we're coming down to the finish. I think he just tried to force too many things. Um, and, you know, the final five holes especially, uh, you know, you can definitely see a couple more mistakes happen. And then McElroy just played an immaculate round. Putted like no other. Like, it reminded me back, I think, back to the Open, when he couldn't hit a putt to save his life, but Cam Smith was draining just, shit yeah. left and right. I think there's and videos all of a sudden, on that's, TikTok where they're, like, hitting it between their legs and it's dropping <laughs> and shit like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you look you look at Sunday, and McElroy is, is putting like no other. And Scheffler, you know, just can't get a couple putts here or there to fall. Um, so just complete 180. Um, and also, yeah. it helps if you, I believe it was five drives that he hit over 340 yards. Yeah. Just, but, uh, yeah that, that's going to help for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, McElroy just had all the luck with him. Uh, I mean, overall, it was a great tournament. Uh, I don't think Scheffler has anything to hang his head about. Yeah, he, and I know, you know, taking that $11 million hit isn't fun. But at the same time, you're still ranked number one in the world. Uh, you still got a ton of momentum. Going into next year is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, seeing him, you know, right back up at the top because I don't think he's going anywhere yet. Uh, and it's awesome for me, at least, you know, to sit here and say, 
you know, McElroy is a lot of people thought two, three years ago, McElroy's washed, you know, he's not gonna be good anymore. We saw him fight for the win at the open, finished second at the Masters this year. Um, and so I'm really excited going in the next year. Now he has a ton of momentum behind him, uh, seeing the kind of year he can put up. So somebody had said something, actually, I think it was today while I was at work. Um, and it, it kind of, it got me thinking a little bit. And I don't have an opinion on it yet, but just something to, to stew about a little bit. Um, they said that if Rory can play longer than Tiger did, that he will end up better than Tiger was. Or I guess still is because he still technically wants to be playing. And I, like I said, I haven't I haven't really made a decision on it yet, but it's it's got my wheels turning in my head. I mean, you think first three time? I mean, granted, Tiger has played since I don't remember exactly what year, and they've only had to play off six years or sixteen years. So for Rory to be the first time three time winner is kind of like man, but it's just something that got me thinking. I mean, in terms of the FedEx Cup, yeah, you could argue Rory is better than Tiger already because, like I said, Tiger only has two FedEx Cup wins. Rory has yeah. three now. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think Rory, no matter how long he plays, is, is going to catch Tiger. I mean, Tiger yeah, has I mean, 82, 82 tour wins, and I think he's – I want to say it's 18 majors. Um, yeah. Let's see here. How many majors does Tiger have? 15, excuse me. It's 15 majors. Uh, Nicholas has 18. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Um, but Rory is at four right now. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, in that scheme of things, Rory is not catching Tiger. Yeah. And n- nobody is. But, yeah, I mean, in the, in the FedEx Cup scheme of things, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could argue Rory is better than Tiger. Yeah. Um, and it I just for me, and, like, again, I, I was never super in the golf a few years ago, so I don't know if the, the format used to be different for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, but I mean, if, who's to say if like going in, if Tiger went into a tournament like this past week, and yeah, he has a two shot lead on somebody, but you know, he played a few tournaments throughout the season here and there, and you know the majors especially. But outside of that, like he wasn't really playing much. Yeah, yeah he's not going to be ranked super high in the FedEx Cup. He goes into the tournament ten shots back. He might catch him, but at the same time, like I think he had bigger fish to fry and really didn't care. But again, yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know what the the, the tour championship was like years ago if it was like the same format and stuff like that yeah uh, and so on so um moving on it is time to head to our nfl season previews uh we started the afc and nfc east a few weeks ago uh and then we just got too caught up with college football um and we did not continue it so we're just going to go back reset the clock uh but we're going to split it up into the afc and the nfc this time uh so this week we'll be doing the afc preview um I think it is the most wide open division in in the NFL. I think this year the NFC is probably a little bit more wide open. Uh, you know, year in year out, everybody says the Packers are the best. Last and then you know Tom Brady's still with the Bucks, so you could argue those two. Last year Matthew Stafford arrives in LA, um, but again I'm going to have myself talk about the NFC. Um, we were talking about the AFC this week, uh, so we're going to give you some of our predictions. Um, and, and so on and, and get into it first up uh let's get into our divisional winners um the afc east is is pretty easy uh and all of us have the bills winning the afc east uh in my eyes i just don't see, yeah the dolphins are probably improved a little bit i don't know i don't think two is capable of leading them especially past josh allen yet um but honestly i don't think two is capable of leading them even to the playoffs um 
the Jets, I think, are, you know, are, we're going to get to our most improved teams, but I think all of us agree the Jets are probably the most improved team in that division. Uh, and I think the Patriots probably are, in the NFL yeah. total, if I'm being honest. Um, we'll see. But I think the Patriots are taking a step back from last year. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the Bills are arguably the best team in the NFL. I, I think you would agree, Nick. Um, and so I don't, I don't see anybody challenging them in the East this year unless uh, you know disaster happens, we have an injury or something. Yeah. Um, but let's move into the AFC North. Uh, Nick, who's your pick? Uh, I thought you were just going to bring them up, so <laughs> I went to full screen again. But that's all right. Uh, the oh, North. Okay. okay, yeah, there it is. Um, so yeah, I went with the Bengals. I, I really. Barring like Kenny Pickett starting week three and he takes his preseason looks into the regular season, I, I really don't see anybody touching the Bengals in the North this year. Um, I see you got the Ravens in there, and I listen, I, I debated it. I debated it very hard, especially because I think the Bengals are going to take a step back from where they were last year. Um, uh, not a huge step, but a step nonetheless. Um, I think they got very lucky last year. They're going to have a um, a first place um, schedule this year, so it's definitely not going to be as easy for them. The Ravens, I, I get so tired of, of getting high on the Ravens and them just shitting the bed all season. So that, uh, I mean, I'm the same way, but at the same time, they stayed healthy through the preseason this year, so that's new for them. Um, sure. But I, I think their offense is just going to be. Too good. I mean, we've seen it time as I think the Titans are the same way. As soon as they get to the postseason, it's a whole other story. Um, but, you know, looking at the regular season, I think it's a three-horse race. You said unless Kenny Pickett starts, I think, and you, you can fault me for being a Mitch Mitch Kissentitz fan, um, but I think the Steelers have a better roster than a lot of people give them credit for. Yeah, their offensive line sucks, but we can look at the Bengals, who are a team that somehow made it through the Super Bowl last year with arguably the worst offensive line anybody's ever seen. Now you could say it, it, the Steelers' line is worse or better or whatever, um, but I, I, I think they have enough weapons uh, between George Pickens, uh, Trubisky, um, and that defense I think is, is going to be – not. I don't want to say best in the, the NFL or anything like that, but I think it's going to be a pretty stout defense and, and tough to get around, and it's going to do enough to keep them in games. Now, I don't necessarily think they're going to art or challenge – excuse me, challenge for the AFC North. Uh, I think it's a two-horse race. I think the Steelers are just a step back. But I, I have the Steelers taking a wild-card spot. Uh, and we're getting to the, the, those picks here in a minute. Yeah, I, I also want to say that no hate against Mitch either. I, I think <laughs> Mitch can definitely be a serviceable, serviceable QB. Um, I I just, me hey, personally. Two shitty Bears rosters to the fucking playoffs twice. Yeah, so. yeah he definitely he's definitely is serviceable. Um, I, I just think that, that Kenny Pickett, is I know these are big words, and I'm not a Pittsburgh fan, so to hear me saying them probably sounds crazy. Um, but I, I personally believe that Kenny Pickett is going to be their Ben Roethlisberger. Um, he's going to need Tomlin, though, or if Tomlin ends up retiring, a coach like Tomlin. Because um, yeah. I, no, I, I definitely is. think Kenny Pickett is is the future of that franchise. Yeah. Um, and but listen, as as somebody who watched multiple first round quarterbacks come into their franchise. And granted, the Steelers' situation is completely different, but they, like we just said, they don't have a great line right now. Yeah. Um, Mitch is not that. a bad quarterback to sit behind. Like I, I understand he gets a lot of hate, and I said this before: if Mitch gets taken behind Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, 
we're we're talking about a completely different st- story here. I, I think yeah. he just gets a lot of undeserved hate because the Bears were stupid. They traded up and took him when he would have been sitting with, where they were anywhere. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but I, I think Mitch is a great QB. He's been in the league for a few years now. He just sat behind Josh Allen, one of the best in the game. Uh, I, I think Kenny would be fine sitting for a year and, you know, learning from Mitch, learning from everybody else in that organization, uh, and then next year taking over. Yeah. Um, but agree. Uh, moving on to the AFC South, uh, let's see our picks here. Um, you and Slade both went with the Titans. I went with the Colts. Uh, your thoughts on the Titans? Yeah. Um, so I just want to say that this is probably the worst that the AFC South has looked uh, at least as long as I can remember. Not that that's saying a whole lot. That might be like three years max. Um, but it's it, this entire division is a just straight toss in the air. Um, the Colts, if you ask a Colts fan, they severely upgraded at quarterback. Um, and I'm not just saying this because Carson Wentz is my current team's quarterback. Um, but I, I really, you look at Carson Wentz and you look at Matt Ryan and old Matt Ryan, I really don't think that they went vertically um, up or down as far as the quarterback goes. Yeah, they have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they still don't have a wide receiver one for Matt Ryan to throw to, um, at, at least as it sits right now. You know, we'll see as the season starts. But the defense is good, not not great in my opinion. Um, uh, upper level good. They're not <laughs> lower level good. But um, I, I just – on the flip side to the team that I picked, the Titans, I mean, you lose A.J. Brown. So uh, who does Ryan Tannehill have to throw to? They took uh, Traylon Burks. I know it's Burks. I, I want to say his first name is Traylon. Um, who was supposed to be the younger, cheaper A.J. Brown. And then he's got videos coming out from um, uh, camp or whatever the hell it's called, like directly after the draft where he was winded and had to get taken off the field. And everybody's like, oh, well, it's hot in Tennessee. Like, motherfucker, it's hot in Arkansas where he went to college, too. Um, so we'll see how that goes as the season starts. But uh, as far as the Titans go, you look at Derrick Henry. Yeah, he's aging, but that team pretty much runs through him. Um, I, I think the winner of this division might honestly be barely above 100. But I pretty much had to flip a coin here. And I, I don't think that the Colts have the defense to provide what needs to be done for Matt Ryan to win games. Yeah. I mean, it, the knock against, especially now with the, the Colts defense is they lose their, their star defense coordinator. He's now the head coach of the bears. Um, but I, I mean, I kind of think contrary to your, your thoughts on Matt Ryan coming there. Like, yeah, granted, he's not the, the, the same Matty ice that, you know, won MVP a few years ago, stuff like that. I think he is a step up in, in the sense of, I think Carson Wentz is, confidence is just 100% rattled and shaken. And I think that's the, the biggest problem for him right now. Now, I really hope he goes to Washington and, you know, he kind of gets some belief around him. And I think he'll start to succeed there. But I, I think you think back to Indianapolis, it almost seemed like midseason that team quit on Carson Wentz. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like I, that was probably their, their biggest issue. I, I, and then turn around and blame it all on him. Yeah. Uh, imagine, I, just real quick, so we don't get too off topic. Imagine throwing for, I believe it was 3,500 yards, 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and your head coach and your team, I think it was the owner or maybe the GM or something, just spends the whole offseason talking yeah. shit about you. Like, I, I I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. I he, he 100% didn't deserve it. Um, but I, I think 
Matt Ryan comes in there. He he brings enough experience behind him, almost like Phillips Rivers did there, but he's a lot better than Phillips Rivers. Um, That's not hard. I think I just said Rivers, but Rivers. <laughs> but um, I, I think it, it's going to be enough experience. And then on, on, I think that the Titans, like, yeah, Derrick Henry is probably going to carry this team, but at the same time, he can only do that for so many years. And, and sooner or later, you know, his – Production is going to decline and, and things like that. And now you're putting the ball in the hands of Ryan Tannehill, who's god awful. And I, I think he, I think Tannehill does just enough this year to cost this team the the, the division. And then you're looking at um, Malik Willis coming in there and, and taking over next year. And who knows? Maybe halfway through the season this year they they, they put Malik in. Um, but I, I think this is a year where Tannehill's mistakes cost this team enough. And then you're looking at I, I think Henry. It's still going to be definitely a top five back in the league. Yeah, but you know, you you can only run your workhorse for so long before they. they, they well, and even like the thing that uh, it was honestly super hard for me to choose this because I I didn't want to give respect to Tennessee or Indianapolis, um, but uh, Henry is twenty eight, I believe. I believe. So yeah, up getting there, getting close to pushing thirty, um, and like I said, now you don't have your best wide receiver. So when you have to put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hand, who knows what the hell you're going to get. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong about Burks and maybe he's a stud and maybe it works out. I don't know. But uh, Henry last year, even though he had a great season for when he was in, he did miss some games. And that's definitely like that was the one thing. If I had gone with Indianapolis, the decline of Derrick Henry was going to be my reason. But, and I mean, know. even even so more or even more so when you think about it, it's if you don't have a passing game, like yet last year they had like a, a, enough of a passing game to get them through those few games that Henry and missed. It was serviceable. Yeah, if God forbid, if something major happens to Henry this year, you have nothing on your offense. Like no. all of a sudden, you go from looking like a playoff contender to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, and, and it can happen yeah. just like that. And that's it, it's all the GM's fault because you have no other options outside of Derrick Henry. Like you, you were yeah. fully expecting to ride him. And we've seen it for so many years. Like you think back to all those really good Chargers teams, they were really good because of Ladanian Tomlinson, yeah. because of Antonio Gates, and yeah, they had a few years there to, where they were together. But it always seemed like one of them was hurt. Um, but I mean, we, we've seen it multiple times where these offenses try to run through one person, and sooner or later something happens, and then that one person is injured or just gone straight up, and and you're screwed. Um, the so. the one thing that push Tennessee over for me was when I looked at Tennessee last year, I really didn't think they were that great of a team, like watching film on them, but they were the number one seed in the AFC. So uh, there's definitely talent on the defense and how they got to that number one seed. I honestly not a hundred percent sure. Um, they're not I mean, playing the Jaguars close. and Texans twice. Definitely helped. Yeah, that, that definitely that's four wins right there off the bat. Um, but that, yeah, that was kind of the selling point. I was like, well, somehow they managed to do it last year. <laughs> We'll right, moving on to the AFC West, I think here is where we, we start to get a little more more debate. Um, you oh whoops whoops oh. Okay, don't, don't want to skip here. Um, you went with the Raiders. Slade goes with the Chiefs. I, I feel like Slade just went with the Chiefs because he didn't know who else to pick, which is which is fair. <laughs> fair um, enough. I didn't. Even and know, I go with the Chargers. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on the Raiders first. Yeah. So um, I, I do want to say a little bit. Uh, because I was kind of between Raiders and Chiefs here. Um, the, the Chiefs, the downfall for the Chiefs for me uh, is obviously losing Tyreek Hill. Um, now, mind you, 
I am not a Hill bandwagoner whatsoever. I have talked my fair share of shit about Tyreek Hill. I personally believe if Tyreek Hill had 0.1 more seconds on his 40 time, he'd be half the receiver that he is today. Um, but nonetheless, we're not talking about that. Um, yeah, Raiders. So uh, we look at them last year. They squeaked into the playoffs. Um, and, you know, a, a missing your team or your pick was ended up missing out on it. Uh, but I look at that defense and they've made some upgrades this offseason as every defense in the AFC uh, West has. Uh, but that offense. So I think about Derek Carr. There's a lot of people that shit on Derek Carr and there's a lot of people that hold Derek Carr up like he's a god. Um, I'm somewhere comfortably in between there. Um, I think that he is a good to low tier great quarterback. Um, but I look at what he has around him. Jacobs, which I know uh, as of right now isn't going to be a thing next year, but nonetheless, that's next year. Um, but he's got Darren Waller at tight end. Uh, he's still got Hunter Renfro, which in my opinion is probably one of the hardest wide receivers to cover in the NFL, or at least especially in the slot. Um, and then they added Devontae Adams. And that offense, they have a good offensive line. Uh, that offense is going to be tough to stop. And, I, you know, like I said, I look at the Chiefs. I, the Chiefs are going to take a step back, in my opinion. Um, you know, yeah, oh, they look great during preseason, yada, yada, yada. I, preseason's fucking preseason. The only thing I care about in preseason is who plays in the second half. Um, mainly because I like watching Sam Howell this year, but nonetheless. Um, and the Chargers were my other pick. I don't think the Broncos are going to be what everybody thinks the Broncos are going to be. You look at Russell Wilson last year. Yeah, his offensive line was shaky. Um, but you still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and he still couldn't get him the fucking ball. So I don't know what he's going to do with, Jerry at the Judy. very least, yeah, uh, Jerry Judy. Um, who's the other? Uh, Sutton. I don't know yeah, why everybody's Sutton, yeah. sucking Sutton off so bad. Uh, he, he's not a good wide receiver. Jerry Judy is the best me, wide receiver. He got me fantasy team. points last year, so I couldn't complain. Yeah, I mean, fantasy-wise, like, yeah, he does good in fantasy. <laughs> he gets some receptions. But, like, uh, Patrick, not good. Um so I, I, Russell Wilson has Jerry Judy to throw to and a couple other mediocre uh, t- mediocre talents thrown in there. Um, his wide receiver room is fast. I'll give him that. But so were DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and he couldn't get him the ball. So not worried about the Broncos. The Chargers, um, my two picks were honestly mainly between the Raiders and the Chargers. I was on the Chargers bandwagon last year. I didn't think they were going to be Super Bowl contenders, but I thought they were going to surprise a lot of people. Um I love Herbert. You obviously love Herbert because he went to Oregon, but he's also a baller. Um, they made some upgrades, but I think the Raiders are in the best position to take this division. And it, it might come down. I don't know what the schedule looks like for these guys, but if it's Chargers and Raiders week 17 again, you better believe I'm tuning into that fucking game. Yeah. Uh, I think back, you know, I, I look at why I took the Chiefs out of this. And honestly, I don't even have the Chiefs making the playoffs this year, and I know that's that's probably a bold take. Um, I think their offense takes a step back without Tyreek. Um, and yeah, you added Juju, but I don't know. Juju wasn't a player on the Steelers, like. Yeah. But I mean, when I look at the Steelers, and yeah, like when he was there with Antonio Brown, I think it was only for like one season, but still. Um, Maybe two. You know, that's when Juju really kind of you know took off because. All the attention was on AB. Yeah. And all of a sudden, AB leaves, and everybody's like, all right, well, the next best receiver is obviously Juju. So Juju got all the attention. I understood why his, I guess you want to say his production declined. But at the same time, 
Um, I just don't think he's good enough, I guess, in a sense, to take up the mantle of Tyree. Yeah. He is not a wide receiver one. No. Um, yeah, you still have, you have Kelsey, you have Edwards Hilaire in the backfield. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, and it, it started to happen last year a little bit more often, is people are figuring out that this Chiefs offense. Like, again, outside of throwing up bombs to Tyreek, and that now that aspect is completely gone. Um, I still think this is going to be a very good Chiefs offense. I just think it takes a step back. Now I look at the defense. You could argue they upgraded some spots. I would argue they downgraded. They lose Tyree Matthew, who is a heart and soul of that defense, yeah. uh, and you know a few other key players here and there. I, I think as a whole, this team takes a step back. I think they definitely challenge for the wild card still. I, you know, I, I think this division is a crapshoot. They might end up winning the whole thing. But um, like I said, I, I have them missing the playoffs right now. The Raiders, I, again, I would argue, yeah, they took a step forward. You talk about Derek Carr. I would say, yeah, he's. I I would put him in my top fifteen NFL QBs right now. Yeah, I, I think he absolutely deserves to be top fifteen. Um, yeah, he could be a lot better with his decision making at times, but at the same time, uh, he's done a lot with very little at, at times. Uh, now he gets Devontae Adams, who we played with in college. I think that's going to be a great connection for him. I, I think it's going to be enough to push the Raiders' offense back to another another playoff appearance. Uh, their defense is. Their defense, especially last year, started to remind me of like the, the old school Raiders defense, the black oh. hole, stuff like that. Um, I think it's Crosby is on the defense who scares the living shit out of me. Like if I saw yeah. the dude in a dark alley, I would run the other way. Yeah, he's terrifying. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I, I think that the Chargers overall <laughs> upgraded just enough. Um, and I, for, I, I can't think of their head coach's name, but it's playoffs or bust for them this year. You know, he came in there and he was this analytical stat guy and yeah, there's a couple nuances, but at the same time, he, he's definitely shown his flaws in play calling and just being a coach in general, time management, stuff like that. Um, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I, I think he's gone. Um, but I, I think Herbert is a good enough quarterback to will this team, not just the playoffs, I, but I think the, the division overall, um, I see, I honestly, I look down the board, and I see all four divisional opponents splitting games 50-50 with the other. So in their own division, the Raiders are going one-on-one against the Chargers. are going one-on-one. I, I think this division is is that. I, I, one, I think it's the best division in, in the NFL this year. Yeah, um, and I, if there was a way to get all four teams into the playoffs, I'm sure they would find a way. Um, I say I did look it up because when I was looking at it and I was still debating on how I felt about the Broncos, I did look it up. And technically, yes, there is a way. I don't see it happening, but. There is a way. Um, moving on, uh, we already saw the next slide, but the uh, playoff teams that we picked this year, Nick, I'll let you go over yours first. Yeah, so obviously the four division winners uh, we chose. You see I got the Chargers and Chiefs in here. Um, the Chiefs and the Patriots, my last two picks in there, um, were mainly picks because I wasn't sure who else would have made it in other than them. We talked about Miami. Um which obviously is a huge question mark. Their defense is pretty good. It, it, pretty much that team success is going to depend on how Tua plays. Um, the Patriots, I, I'm with you. I think they're going to take a step back. I couldn't make up my mind on how far of a step back that was. That's why I ended up putting them above Miami. Um, them and Miami could very easily be in competition You know, for that last playoff spot come the end of the season. Um, but again, I, I really just didn't know who else I would put in there other than those teams. Yeah. Uh, moving to slates here. So he has his four division winners, the Bills, Bengals, the Titans, and the Chiefs. 
now he couldn't decide between the Ravens or the Jets, uh, so he has five. Um, excuse me, he has four. I'm all for the Jets making the playoffs this year. I would love to see the Jets make the playoffs, honestly. Um, But then he also has the Raiders and the Broncos getting in. Uh, So he has the Chargers out, which, I mean, again, like I said, that division is is so wide open. Uh, It's insane. Um, And then, like I said, the Jets and the Ravens. Uh, So for my playoff teams, again, uh, I said the Bills, um, Ravens, Colts, and the Chargers win their divisions. Uh, I put the Broncos in here. Uh, again, this is a coin flip for me between the the Broncos, the Raiders, uh, and the Chiefs. It, it's going to – the AFC West is definitely getting two teams, if not three teams, in this year. Um, but for me, I, I think the Broncos have done just enough upgrades. Uh, I, I think Russell Wilson is 100% better than um, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, yeah. I'm not and a- I, I think it's just – like this is a team that just missed the playoffs last year. I think it's enough of an upgrade at QB for them to sneak their way into the wild card round. Um, and then I definitely put the Bengals in here. Uh, they're 100% going back to the playoffs this year. Uh, and then I also put the Steelers in here. Like I, like I said earlier, uh, I think this team is going to surprise a lot of people. I think a lot of people have them, you know, bottom tier of the league this year. And, and I understand it's because of that offensive line. And I 100% don't disagree. This is the team that can either go, you know, 10 and 7 and make the playoffs, or they can go six and, you know, oh, what? I can't do that math, but not a, be, be not a six win team. Yeah, um, I said nine, uh, 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I, I don't, I feel like there's not an in between for them. Um, but I, I think in my mind, they do just enough this year to get into the playoffs. Uh, I do North. find it bold, very bold, and I respect it that you pick three teams from the North <laughs> and not three teams from the West. Like, yeah. And I, I, I know it's, it's going to bite me, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I was, I, I Sometimes did this. Sometimes you got to go with your gut. Some, yeah. That's, that's what I, I, like, I was like, okay, like, here's my four division winners. And then, like, I just picked the first three teams that, like, I thought would make the playoffs. And then the next thing I know, like, oh, shit, I only picked one <laughs> AFC West team. But, yeah, um, moving on, um, the AFC championship picks. Um, this is not right. No, it is right. I'm sorry. I'm going to ex- explain myself here in a minute. Um Nick, you and Slade both go with the Bills. I, I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. And and I have to say that if – I think that if L.A. wins the division, I think <laughs> they have a good chance yeah. um, at winning the AFC. Now, obviously, they got to go through the Bills. I, the Bills are the team to beat in my eyes, and that's why I picked them. Um, you know, I've – I said Bills Super Bowl champions the last two years. Uh, I think last year, if the coin flip goes the other way, it's a different conversation. I think they could have handled Los Angeles better than um, the Bengals did. And I think that they would have beat the Bengals had they been the ones that went on to play them. Um, and the year before I was just a little bit off. They were still a good team, but uh, Josh Allen is a full stride. They're the team to beat, but uh, Los Angeles has that young uh, energy charisma about them that I think that if they can get into the playoffs, they're going to be at the very least, uh, hard out so I, i'm i'm here for your pick but i want to hear your explanation no. so i i had to look at my notes because i was like wait did i really pick the chargers and <laughs> I, I did but here's there's two reasons why one i i want the bills to win okay i, I want to make that clear and i knew if i picked the bills as well we were 100 jinxing them they probably wouldn't even make that's, the fucking playoffs yeah so i was fair. like okay I, i'm not picking them because i don't want to jinx them. there is still the a time, white Two white fold-up tables somewhere out there with George and I's name on it, just waiting for the Bills to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, 
Um, so immediately I'm like, okay, who's the next? And I, I, I think the AFC Championship game will be the Bills versus Chargers. Uh, and, and like I said, and, and what the, the points he made, LA can absolutely make a run to the Super Bowl this year. I don't, I don't think that's that's unreasonable to say. Um, but I definitely think the Bills are the better team. But like I said, I, I'm not putting that on them uh, because I, I, I'm not fucking their season up already. Um, so I was like, okay, next best, who they, who are they going to play? And so I picked the Chargers. Um, That's fair. Moving on. Is, do, do I have something else for this? I, we do. Most improved teams. Most improved and most declined teams. Uh, most improved teams. Uh, Nick, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so uh, like we talked about earlier, <laughs> Jets are probably the most obvious one. Um, I, I do think uh, the Broncos are going to be the most improved in the West. Obviously, the, they were the bottom of the West, and the other three teams had good seasons last year, so that was kind of – um, a gimme and the Jaguars. I, I'm going to be honest with you. When we were t- when I was looking Tennessee and Indianapolis, I almost went with the Jags. And the only reason I didn't um, is just because they're real young and their wide receiver one is Christian Kirk. Um, so I, I was very skeptical about that. But I think uh, now that um, oh, John Meyer is out of there, um, I. I think that they have a good coaching situation. They have a lot of good young talent. Um, that defense, like uh, we were talking about Carson Wentz uh, last season, and, oh, well, he lost against the Jags. That Jags defense, especially towards the end of the year, was very good. Um, they didn't get a whole lot of credit because they were on the field a lot and tired and were given, you know, giving up enough points to lose. But I believe this was a four-win Jags team last year. And I – I don't know exactly what their schedule looks like, but it's the easier schedule out of their division. So I, I could honestly see them pushing eight to 10 wins. Um, and depending on how Tennessee and Indianapolis go, it could very well be a three horse race at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, so Slade and I both agree with the jets. Uh, I also put the Broncos on here as did you, uh, but yeah, I 100% agree with the, the Jags there. Um, Again, I don't think they're quite ready to, to push for a playoff spot yet. I mean, like we said, the AFC South, who knows what's going to happen in there this year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it, they're, they're just still a little too young, like you said. Uh, but they have decent leadership now. Like like you said, Urban Meyer's out of there. That, that toxic environment is gone. Um, you know, if they can start to put some pieces together, I think their biggest holdback is, like you said, Christian Kirk being wide receiver one and overpaying him a god-awful amount of money. Yeah. Um, I think that's just going to be their their biggest detractor this season. Um, but yeah, that defense can definitely have them in contention. If their offense can put up a few more points here and there, yeah, absolutely. This could even be a team that, you know, if they get a couple bounces or waves, is pushing a 10-win season. And I don't think that's unrealistic to say. Um, like I said, yeah, it's going to take a lot for them to get there. And I still don't quite see them competing for their division yet. Um, but I, I definitely, this is a, going to be a much improved team from the Jags. Uh, moving over to our most declined teams, our teams on the decline. Uh, you and Slade went with the Colts, uh, which obviously I disagree with. Uh, you and I both put the Chiefs on here, uh, and you also put the Browns. Uh, I 100% agree with the Browns. Um, I, I think it's just there's too much going on in the organization. Yeah, yeah. You have some great players here and there. Um, you know, when they get the song back, you know, we'll, we'll let's see how he gels with the whole team. But I, I think there's just too much going on too on the outside. Uh, yeah. We, we've seen it before where that affects the, the team play. Um, and, yeah, so I, I agree with you there. Yeah. 
Um, I definitely, uh, so I'll start with the Browns. Um, first of all, even if Deshaun Watson plays 17 games this year, which obviously we know that he's not going to do, who does he have to throw to? Landry's not there anymore. Odell's not there anymore. Um, they got a, hold on, hold on. I got it. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm just drawing a blank. Uh, Amari Cooper. I was going to say, um, I, I thought they got him. I couldn't remember yeah. Cooper. I, like, I could see the man. I could see yeah. him. I just couldn't spit his name out. Um, which, I, first of all, I'll talk about this a little more when we get into depth in the NFC, but I think was a huge loss for Dallas. Um, I, It was a bigger loss for Dallas than it was a gain for Cleveland, in my opinion. Um, I, they don't have enough around him to help that passing game whatsoever. Um, I'm I personally don't believe that everything last year was Baker's fault. Um, but you got 11 games a, as it sits right now uh, that Deshaun Watson's not going to be in. And even if he comes back, like you said, how well is he going to gel with the team? Um, and he still doesn't have anybody to throw to. So we very easily could see a Browns record like we're used to seeing, um, at least uh, minus the past two years. Uh, I'm trying to think. The Chiefs, um, it, it, that division, you had to pick somebody that was at the top, and we both talked about how we thought the Chiefs were going to take steps back this year. Um, I think there's a possibility they even drop under double-digit wins, um, especially with the way the rest of uh, the division looks. And top team, oh, the Colts. I had to explain the Colts because you picked the Colts to win the division. Um, again, like I talked about, Matt Ryan uh, – I love Matt Ryan, first of all. I, I don't want any hard feelings out there for Matt Ryan. Uh, Matty Ice is my boy. But, again, you know, his wide receiver room is a big question mark. I don't think he has a true wide receiver one. Um, I am I took him in fantasy, but I'm iffy about Jonathan Taylor this year only because um, that help around him. You know, he's kind of in the same situation as we talked about with Derrick Henry. Um, you know, he's kind of expected to be the bell cow, and I, I'm I'm – Interested to see how that goes. Uh, it might not play an effect on him this season, but I'm thinking maybe next season um, we're going to start to see some drops. Uh, and, and the defense, like you said, you know, lost a huge piece in the defense coordinator. I, I hope that the Colts surprise me because I don't hate the Colts, um, but I, I just I, I don't see um, most declined is probably a little disrespectful too. I'm not going to lie, but I couldn't pick anybody else in the division um and i i think that they're gonna drop maybe two more games than they did last year but i don't know we'll see i can't wait for football yeah all right uh moving on speaking of can't wait for football we actually had college football this past weekend uh week zero started uh what probably a lot of people thought it was going to be a boring weekend turned out not to be the case it started off hot and fast uh, we had the Nebraska-Northwestern game over in Ireland. Um, Nebraska blows an 11-point lead. Uh, you can talk about Scott Frost, listen, I I don't even care about Nebraska like this. Tony's <laughs> probably going to be proud to hear me talking about it. Um, but I, Scott Frost, that that's all I can say. How I've, I've defended him for so long. I kept saying, oh, yeah, you know, he just hasn't gotten his guys in there yet and so on and you know, last year, hey, you know, they had they were really close a few times and you know, they just couldn't get it over the goal line, whatever. But when he did the onside kick, when once they went up by 11, Stupid. they had full momentum on their side. Like, they, it was getting to the point where they were getting ready to steamroll Northwestern out of Ireland. 
And yeah. all of a sudden, he does an onside kick out of nowhere. And first of all, everybody's talking about how dumb of a play call it was. Shout out to that dude from fucking Northwestern who had busted his ass five yards the wrong way, turned around, came back, and somehow got that ball first. Yeah. Um, I mean, shout out to him. That was an awesome play. Um, so, yeah, but we're going to talk about weeks over here. We're talk about some of our picks. Um, yeah, if, if Scott Frost can't turn this around and get a six-win season and get them to a bowl game, he's 100% gone. Um, if he has his job by the end, like by the official end of the year, I yeah. it will be a miracle. But if he still has his job after like week six, I myself will be surprised. Yeah, uh, like because I mean, I, like you're already like on the hot seat, and then yeah. you come out week zero and do some dumb shit like he did. Uh, I'm surprised he still has a job was, now. Was clicking really well that the, the whole game it seemed. Yeah, like, they, I, sudden, they look good. Yeah, midway through the third quarter, I, I feel like he. Kind of wanted to put his hands on the offense more and started to take a little bit of away from Whipple, and you could honestly see the the effect. Uh, and I feel like the the team as a whole, once Northwestern came back and tied it, um, or they didn't tie, it, I think they were down a, a, a score. Um, but you could just kind of see the whole side and go, "Fuck, like here we go again." And I, I mean, I've I've coached on those those teams, I've played on those teams where you have that mentality. And no matter what happens next, like it, it's it's over. The minute you you're sitting on the sideline, going "fuck, here we go again," mm-hmm. um, you know it's going down. They they couldn't catch the ball to save their life by multiple. There was two interceptions that bounced off of the the, the dude's hands, and then they got picked off. Um, so yeah, all of us picked Nebraska, and surprise, surprise, we jinxed them, and they lose. Um, Nick, you took the under at fifty one and a half. Uh, that did not hit. Nope. Uh, Slade had, took the, the Nebraska. Point spread. That one definitely uh, it, didn't hit. Yeah, that did not. Uh, and I took the over. I haven't labeled. I it. also, uh, just so everybody knows that follows Twitter and listens to this, I was the one who tweeted out that Nebraska covered because I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the second game we picked, we had UConn visiting Utah State. Uh, UConn actually really surprised me. Um, they came into this as 27 point underdogs. Um, they were up 14 nothing. Uh, I I feel um, and I I'm stare, I, I did the same. I'm staring at his face. I can't think of his name. Um, Jim Mora is is the head coach there now. Um, I, I think he's going to get that team pointed in the right direction. Now I'm not saying they're they're going to become a powerhouse team or anything like that. Uh, but this is definitely a team that could definitely surprise some people this year. I just said definitely within like three words there twice. Um, but I I think UConn is starting to trend in the right direction uh, and. He's going to start to turn that program around, so I'm super excited to see that. Um, yeah, you took the over at 59.5. That did not hit, which I was very surprised, uh, especially with it starting 14 nothing early. But the offenses just weren't there in the fourth quarter. Uh, Slade just took the Utah State money line. That hits. Uh, I Again, I took the Utah State minus 26.5, and, and that did not hit. Uh, moving on, we had Wyoming visiting Illinois. Uh, all of us took the Illinois point spread, and damn, did they deliver. Uh, I mean, their offense looked impressive. Again, it's it's Wyoming. Wyoming has had a ton of issues this offseason. They literally had to put an ad out on social media that they needed the, the quarterback. Um, so you take what you will from this win. I was they not play. aware of that, but I wish I would have seen it. Yeah. Um, I could have gone to school for some quarterback play. <laughs> they uh, they play Indiana this week on Friday night, so we we get to see the first true test of Indi- or Illinois. Excuse me. Uh, we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but I have Illinois winning that game Friday night at Indiana. Uh, moving on, uh, we had New Mexico State at Nevada. Uh, all of us took Nevada. Um, you took the over 
again, I labeled this wrong, but you took the over uh, <laughs> at 54 and a half and it hit. Uh, Slade and I both took the under and that did not hit. Um, so yeah, all of us ride Nevada there. Uh, then we finally get to where we started to disagree on some games last week. Uh, North Texas visiting UTEP. I took UTEP just, I, I thought the atmosphere would fuel them a little bit. Um, they definitely came to play in the first half. They just made a few too many mistakes. And uh, North Texas, first of all, this is the first time I've watched North Texas and UTEP play. <laughs> and I was so damn invested in that game. Uh, I was vigorously flipping back between UNC, Florida A&M, this game, and then when the Hawaii Vanderbilt game started, uh, my thumb was getting tired from hitting the, the, <laughs> the go back button. Um, uh, North Texas fumbled. They, so right before halftime, UTEP punts. Uh, North Texas gets it. I think there's like 30 seconds left. And um, first play, they run it. They fumble it. UTEP picks it up, and then they didn't score. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, fucking UTEP's not winning. And I was like, damn. <laughs> um, yeah, so North Texas gets the win there. The under hits, uh, which you took, Nick. Slate and I both took the over. Um, so, yeah. And then the nightcap was Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Holy shit, did Vanderbilt look good. Uh, I thought they were in trouble from the start. Hawaii goes out on their first drive, 73 yards. Uh, they, they drive it for a touchdown. Um, and from there, it was it was all Vanderbilt. Uh, they had- and shout out to Slade for seeing the team that went 2-10 and 10 last year. He's like, yeah, they're going to win. Yeah, and they did. Uh, I mean, and all the stats were coming out throughout the week, like, oh, you know, over Hawaii's last eight, you know, week zero home games, they've covered the spread. And it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm taking them. And I, I took the spread. And they didn't cover the spread, and they got their ass whooped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a Vanderbilt team that's going to surprise a, a few people this year. Again, I'm not First saying – First place that, in the SEC right now, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, hey, watch out, college football playoffs, but – uh, I think they could definitely be pushing bowl eligibility this year. Uh, I mean, that's certainly their goal. Their, their head coach has been talking about it. Um, so I, I think it is it is uh, well within reach for them, especially if their offense can play as well as they did this week. Yeah, uh, Nick, just your thoughts real quick on, on week zero. And one big thing you took away from the weekend. Um, well, for, like you said, it was a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Um, it was good to see some teams that I thought were, you know, gonna struggle mightily this year, um, go out and play well. Uh, I, there wasn't really any teams that went out there and kind of overall looked like shit, um, which was really surprising for week zero and some of the matchups that we had. Um, so I, I think that goes to show what kind of a college football season we're going to have this year. Um, and as far as a takeaway that I, I took from it, um, I watch out for Vanderbilt, I guess. Don't <laughs> underestimate them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, just the one thing I want to talk about quick, and I, I, I made a TikTok about this. I tweeted a shit ton about it. Um, the Florida A&M at North Carolina game. Uh, Florida A&M goes into that game. They were missing 20 players due to NL. Uh, Big word for Elmo. They were missing 20 players due to ineligibility. Um, seven of those were offensive linemen. So they were getting ready to cancel that game. I believe it came out Thursday night. Said, hey, we're, we're going to cancel this. We're not going to fly up there to get our asses handed to us. Uh, you know, it's just, it's it's not safe, I, I believe is what their coach said. North Carolina said, are you sure you don't want this 450 grand? They said, you know what, we'll come play. 
Yeah, um, we'll get injured. Bucket. They went into the game. I believe it was forty-five point underdogs because, like, once all that came out, the line shifted to forty-five points. Um, the first half, they hung around a lot more. Than I think I even I expected to. Uh, they were down fourteen to seven at the end of the first quarter, twenty-eight to fourteen at the end of uh, the first half. Um, I was just thoroughly impressed with that team as a whole. Um, Drake May from North Carolina looked very good uh, through four touchdown passes, I believe. Um, five touchdown passes, excuse me. Um, he can definitely fill the, the, the hole that Sam Howell leaving uh, has. Um, again, he, he sat behind him last year. I, I think that offense is going to be very good. Um, they have great depth at wide receiver. That defense was shaky at times, to, to say the least. Uh, you know, a lot of people made – a big stink about Gene Chizik coming back and, you know, maybe with a little bit more time, uh, we'll get to see what that defense is, is fully capable of. Um, but they had to Appalachian state this weekend and I am, I'm telling you right now, I'm putting them on. I don't even know if it's an upset at this point. Um, let's see, they are point and a half favorites. So I guess you can't really call it an upset. Um, but I think Appalachian state is, is gonna definitely give them a run for the money. I am super excited to see that game. Um, but yeah, my, my one big thing is is Florida A and M just toughing it out and, and hanging dog. around. That was that was awesome to see. Yeah, got the in a dog. Uh, and then the other thing, I would I watched the uh, the Hawaii Vanderbilt game. Like I said, even when Hawaii was getting their asses handed to them, dudes were flying around the field nonstop. And I mean, as a football coach, that's what you want to see. But that that was some like they were down forty points, and dudes were they had eleven guys at the football. After every tackle, they're getting up, they're sprinting back to the huddle. Like I, I remember the – and I'm not going to even try to pronounce the, the guy's name. He was a running back. Like, took a sweep and just got decked in the backfield. Stands up and, like, sprints back to the huddle. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, if that happened, like, I can get it up for five minutes. Oh, and dude just, sure. like, hops right you're, up like nothing happened. You're carting me off the field, I promise. Yeah. Uh, so, here, real quick, we'll just show you the standings uh, after week one. Uh, so with our game picks, uh, Nick and Slater tied at the top at four and two. Uh, that's I am at already three and three. in midseason form. Yeah, uh, and with our cash out standings, that'll be um, we'll be keep track of with our bets. Uh, Nick leads away with at four and two, and Slater and I are tied for second at two and four. Yeah, uh, which sure. is no surprise there because uh, I am not somebody you ever want to gamble with. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, we have. Week one Thursday games, which we are super excited to talk about here. Um, going to get our, our picks in. Uh, these are just for the Thursday games. I honestly forgot to include the Friday games. Uh, like I said, we have Illinois at Indiana and Western Michigan at um, Michigan State, which I, I think is, is pretty well decided it's going to be Michigan State. But your pick for Illinois at Indiana uh, before we get into our Thursday picks. Normally, I would have said Indiana, but I, I'm liking Illinois this year. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Illinois, too. Um, I, I just don't see much out of Indiana, especially after last year when they yeah. had all the hype behind them and did absolutely nothing with it. Nothing with um, it. So, yeah, I have Illinois winning that game as well. Uh, but moving into our Thursday picks, like we said, uh, first up, we have Louisiana Tech at Mizzou. Uh, this game will be at 8 p.m. on ESPNU, uh, Missouri is 19 and a half point favorites. The over under is at 60 and a half. Uh, Nick, your pick. Yeah, so I went off a gut on these ones like, like I did last week's, and I went with Louisiana Tech because my gut was telling me um, that uh, 
that they were going to win. So that's what I went with. So obviously, I went with the plus 19 and a half. Just in case they don't win, I, I'll put the bet on the, on the spread. There you go. Uh, let's see who Slade goes with. He goes with Mizzou, and he's just taking the outright money line. I, Slade usually likes to play it safe, and then once in a while he'll throw out like an outrageous thing. Yeah. Uh, so not surprising from Slade. I am also going to go with Mizzou, uh, but I'm going to go with the over. Oh, 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 getting ahead of myself. Um, and I, I think almost all college football season, like if I'm not sure about the money line or the point spread, I'm just going to take the over. Um, I, I will very rarely ever do the under uh, because that has bit me ass, bit me in the ass so many times when I bet the under in college football, and then it turns into like a ten overtime game, and I'm like, yeah. Um, See, I like I'm very weird about about betting, especially college football because they don't have like player uh player props and shit like that yeah because like i don't like taking the spread for the favorite to win i hate it because i feel like every time i take it it's like by one point that it misses yeah i mean and we'll talk about this on saturday but i'm not gonna put it in my bets that we're gonna do on the show because i don't bet on my own team (laughs) but oregon is 17 and a half point underdogs right now and i feel like like i understand 100 george is coming off the national title I feel like 17 and a half is a little, a yeah. little. Uh, and we talked about the uh, the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, too, which yeah. was, we we didn't, I don't think we said it for certain, but I, I'm thinking it was 21 and a half. Yeah, yeah I believe it's 21 and a half. And, uh, yeah, again. And we'll for week for one. Saturday. We'll save it for Saturday. We'll, yeah, we'll save it for Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, so Slade and I are on Mizzou. Nick's going with the upset here, taking Louisiana Tech. The big upset with them, 19 big and a half point underdogs. Uh, moving on, we have Central Michigan at Oklahoma State. This will be at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Oklahoma State is 21-point favorites. The over-under is set at 60. And I will say, I believe it was 2018. Um, might have been a, a, even a few years before that. Uh, but I remember the last time Central Michigan went to Oklahoma State, and they won on a Hail Mary at the last second. Um, so just throwing that out there. Uh, but, Nick, your pick. Uh, all that being said, I still went with Oklahoma State. And I was going to say, I didn't remember. Oh, I took the plus 21 and a half. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't help that I covered it up with our little logo. Yeah. I couldn't uh, remember what it was because <laughs> we planned on doing the show like two nights ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Slade goes with Oklahoma State uh, minus 21 and a half. I did the same thing. Uh, I Again, I think this is a team that's going to be competing for a college football playoff spot this year. Uh, I think Central Michigan's a decent team. I, I see this. I think they're going to put up some points, uh, but I think Oklahoma State is going to be a little bit too much for them to handle uh, this year. So I'm definitely taking the point spread on that. Moving on, West Virginia at Pitt, uh, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Pitt is a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, the over/under is set at 52. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, I picked Pitt. Um, and hold on, I'm not going to look at it in case you bring it up. I believe I took the minus seven and a half. I think you did. Uh, no, you took. The oh, I took the money, money line. All right. Yeah. See, I told uh, you I don't like betting the, yeah. the minus. Uh, moving on. Slade, uh, on the other hand, took Pitt minus seven and a half. Uh, for my pick, and I was honestly surprised both of you took Pitt. Um, but for my pick, I, I have a little presentation ready. Uh, I'm going to need Ooh. your help singing along with me here. Um, oh, geez. so just and I'm gonna start it. You're gonna know it right away. Uh, so here we go. I already know it. And you didn't even start it. So reaching out, touching me. Why, why are we singing this song for this? Touching you, you. Oh. sweet Caroline. 
Eat shit. Pit, pit. Uh, I, I honestly can't believe the two of you went with uh, Pitt there being Penn State. Listen, I'm still feeling the Kenny Pickett magic, all right? Magic, all right? Um, I think Keaton Slovis is way overrated. I think this West Virginia team is going to be heavily improved. They got Stetson Bennett at QB. Uh, I don't think that's getting enough credit. Uh, they're rocking those sweet ass uniforms. Um, so, yeah, I'm 100% going with uh, West Virginia in this one. And give me the over, uh, the over 52. I think that's. I, I want to come out and say that I, the only reason I picked Pitt because they were at home. It, it was a toss up. I gave them because they were. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the over being at 52, you know, if you're trying to give, like, if I'm looking at the people who are giving Pitt seven and a half points, um, if you think their offense is going to be that good, like, how do you not see this as being a high-scoring game? And, if, if, you know, if Pitt's picking up where they left off last year, and, you know, how is this offense not putting up 52 by itself? I, I feel like 52 points is just really, really low. Um, yeah. But we shall see tomorrow. And the final game, um, I mean, we already know who Nick and Slade are picking for this one. But we got Penn State at Purdue. This will be 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Penn State is three-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is set at 53-and-a-half. Uh, I just before we get to your pick, because again we already know what it is. I am so goddamn excited to have Gus Johnson back on my TV tomorrow night. Uh, it, it's going to be amazing, and I, I can't wait. So uh, sure. without further ado, uh, Nick, your pick. Yeah, I took Penn State, and I'm pretty sure I took the minus three and a half. Yes, and I, I just want to come out and say uh, James Franklin has been very uh, low key confident. Like, I don't know if you've seen, there were some reports coming out. I only happen to see him because I follow Penn State. Um, but he's made very sly jabs at reporters talking about how we'll see what you guys think of us after. Because I guess they were um, talking shit and, you know, saying like, oh, are you concerned or whatever? And he kept saying things like, you know, we'll see what you guys have to say about us after Purdue. And I, I, I'm not going too far as, you know, Ohio State and Big Ten Championship and all that. But I have a feeling that we're going to come out and I, I'm not going to say dominate Purdue, but I, if the spread was nine and a half, I'd still take it. I'd put it that way. Uh, moving on again, no surprise Slade uh, also going Penn state and the three and a half point spread. I'm going with Purdue. Uh, and it was, and it's not, it's not anything against Penn state. I think this is going to be a great game and I, oh. I could easily see it going the other way and Penn state winning this. I just think Purdue at home is a very underrated environment. I think this is a great team. Aiden O'Connell at QB for, for Boilermakers. I think they're, again, this is my pick to win the Big Ten West this year. Uh, and and so I 100% can see them winning this game. But like I, like I said, I can see this going either way. I don't see this being a blowout either way, though. Like you said, I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe Penn State's offense come out comes out and surprises some people and, you know, they look really good. I think Purdue is, is just as good, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I can see this being a shootout. I took the plus three and a half, but I, I would easily take the over on this as well um, with it being at 53 and a half. Um, yeah, again, I'm not taking Purdue just to, you know, slight you and yeah. slight and, and give you a, like I said, I, I can 100 100%, 100%. I knew you were going to take Purdue because I knew you were high on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I, this is my pick to win the Big Ten West. I think, as I said, Purdue is a very underrated environment, uh, especially in night games. Uh, and so that's that's why I have them uh, in week one. I do I do want to say the last time a team tried to do a blackout against us, we hit them for forty nine nothing. So I don't think that's going to happen. Was, was it week, Rutgers? But, uh, Mar Maryland. 
Alright, well, that doesn't count. Uh, what? Oh, what? but they had two as younger brother. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that going for him? Yeah. What, why would Maryland do a blackout anyway? They would also probably try to do a game where Maryland. everybody has to wear the state flag to the game. Maryland as a state is such shit that they can't keep the power on, so it's a literal blackout. Uh, moving on, uh, in lieu of doing our normal top five this week, um, and I was spraying this on Nick at the last minute here because he has he knows nothing about it. Um, That's right. I don't see it half the time anyway. So, yeah. uh, I want you to give me your most heartbreaking moment as a fan. I was thinking of this today because a Snapchat memory popped up. Um, but I want your most heartbreaking moment as as a fan. You can do a top five or just if, if you have just one in particular that sticks out. As, as I'm assuming you mean like as a Penn State fan. I, I, I mean like any. like. Oh, as any fan. Oof. Don't make me think about this one. Most heartbreaking moment. Um. Oh, no. I, I don't even know why I had to think this long. This is easy as hell. Um, and you're going to fucking love it when I tell you. Uh, the... Uh, Pretty sure it was 2016 NCAA basketball championships. Uh, the last second buzzer beater, Villanova ends up beating UNC. Uh, that was I stayed up late that night. I believe it was like 11:30. Uh, I used to actually, I used to be a good boy and go to bed on time so I could get up and be ready for school and practice and all that. Um, and it was like 11:30, and I'm sitting there watching it. I had saved the two hours or whatever free they used to give you on the ncaa app or whatever to watch the tournament i saved it all for the championship game and unc happened to be in it and i'm up there just watching i woke my girlfriend at the time up because i got so pissed um yeah easily most heartbreaking moment i mean that was so close to being a heartbreaking moment for me as a villanova fan when yeah right unc hit the, the three with what was it like five seconds left and it, it wasn't just a fact that it was like five seconds left it was the fact that he like Wrapped himself around the guy. Yeah, it was a ridiculous shot. Like, it was the kind of shot that you expect to see win a national championship. And then, yeah. was it Hart? No, it was uh, Jenkins. Yeah, Jenkins, was... that's right. I always say Hart. I know it's fucking Jenkins. But yeah. Man, that, a great game, though, nonetheless. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, my heartbreaking moment, the reason I, I thought of this, um, and as an Oregon fan, I could pick when they lost either national championship to Auburn or Ohio State. I went... And it, it's I picked this one purely because I saw this happen in person. Uh, it's when they play Auburn three years ago now uh, in Jerry World, and I went to the game, my first ever Oregon game, and we're dominating Auburn all game. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, I mean, we talk about Nebraska and just the tide turning on them. That's what happened to Oregon. And then Bo Nix, who's now our QB, throws a touchdown pass with four seconds left. Um, so yeah, that that sucked. Uh, and like I said, it, it just sung so much more to me because it happened like in front of me. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. So that will do it for our show this week. Uh, we appreciate you guys checking us out. Don't forget, Saturday morning at 8 a.m., uh, we will be doing our first weekly uh, college football pregame show over on our YouTube. Uh, please go follow our Twitter, our Instagram, and our TikTok. We would appreciate that as well. Um, and as promised, uh, especially if you're on, over on our YouTube uh, we will now be showing you our intro that we put together for our Coach Football show. Um, but, yeah, hope to see you there Saturday morning, and we will see you guys back here next week uh, and with Slade back as well, I hope. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But he will be, definitely be here Saturday. I know you guys miss him a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. Too. Uh, but here's the video, and we will see you guys Saturday morning. See everybody.